All right, good morning, folks. We'll give this a second as everyone gets in and gets connected to their audio. Welcome. Good morning, good morning. All right, looks like we have just about everyone up and running and, and, uh, and able to hear. Good stuff. Well, welcome. Good morning. It's great, uh, it's great to see you all. Uh, again, and um, just want to take a moment this morning as we start up. And uh, actually, the first thing I want to do is just welcome um, Tony Pearson to join us today. Tony, as I'm sure most of you, if not all of you know, is uh, a, a pastor down in uh, Blacksburg at Blacksburg Ablaze, our sister church down there. And Tony's going to be sharing with us this morning. He's going to be uh, teaching. He's going to be sharing a bit about what's going on with, with Ablaze as well, and hopefully uh, one or two ways in which we can uh, maybe be getting involved in supporting them as well. We'll see what he has to say. I'm looking forward um, to that. Um, I'd like to just um, start us up uh, this morning by reading, um, reading from the Psalms. Uh, in particular, I was reading Psalm uh, 67 this morning, which I'd just like to share with you. And it says this, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. I just thought that was a great reminder of truth in, you know, it's, in these different times that we're in that all peoples can praise God and will praise God and that he rules justly over all peoples um, and that he is steadfast and faithful and trustworthy. Let's take a moment and let's pray um, and then we'll be hearing from, from Tony. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are wonderful, um, that you are our maker, that you are our God, that you ruled the nations justly. And we ask that you would indeed be gracious to us and bless us as you promise in your word, that you would make your face shine upon us, that your ways would be known on the earth. That you would make your face shine upon us, that it would be reflected to others through our lives here on earth. We pray that you would help us and guide us. We pray that you would encourage us this morning as we gather in your name. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us to have ears that are open and willing to listen and hearts that are ready to receive what you have to share with us this morning. We pray that you would not let this time go by without us being transformed in some way to be more the image of you, the image of God that you intend us, that you set in us and that you intend for us to be. So we pray that you would take this time, that you would use it for your purposes and that you would bless us in your ways through the time that we spend together this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So the University of Michigan did a massive study between 1979 and 2009. They interviewed 14,000 college students, 17, uh, 72 different universities. And what they discovered was that Empathy in America had dropped in that 30 years by 40% on their criteria that they were using. And there are people that are following back up to look at that study 
and saying we may have seen another similar drop between 2009 and now in empathy, in the ability to be able to hear and understand and really um, feel with other people. And when you connect that to the trauma that the world has been experiencing and people have been experiencing individually, uh, less resiliency built into the way we have parented, for better or worse, because of helicopter parenting and lawnmower parenting, uh, young people are not learning how to deal with things and be resilient, even small things. And so small things are now more traumatic. Couple that with a lack of empathy and you really have a perfect storm for the mental health crisis that we see in our young people and actually probably across the whole spectrum of people. And the reason is this, the only proven way repeatedly to help a person deal with trauma, to get over trauma, to move through trauma, is to find someone you trust, share your story with them in great detail, and that person you know, really caring for you. And if no one has empathy and the ability to actually listen and hear people, and people don't know how to share their story, they don't know what to say, and more trauma, we end up with this perfect storm. And so I want to talk to you today about the idea of empathy and empathetic listening, showing genuine care and interest in those in the body of Christ. So we're going to focus on the body of Christ today, uh, not necessarily the lost world. So as, as uh, Julian was saying, it's so amazingly wonderful to see so many of you guys and your names. And um, it's been a long time since I was able to be up there with you. And it is great. We did, my sons and I and my family all planted a blaze on the campus of Virginia Tech about nine years ago. And uh, now my son is a co-pastor with me. So from a ministry standpoint, a family standpoint, I'm doing wonderfully, which is exciting. Uh, a blaze, the focus of a blaze is develop, to develop young leaders. So we're working with a lot of college students or people who have uh, just recently graduated from college. As a result, we have about 10 men that are sharing this uh, spring and summer uh, on you know, in our Sunday morning service. They're just learning how to be pastors, learning how to be teachers, learning how to be leaders uh, the future. One aspect of that is about half of those men, or exactly half of those men, are men of color different nationalities, different races. Um, when we planted a blaze, one of the things that was on my heart was Revelation 7, 9, which says that when the apostle um, uh, John was uh, taken up into heaven and he saw heaven, he saw what it was going to be like in the book of Revelation, he said there in Revelation 7, 9 that there were all tribes, all tongues, all nations were worshiping the Lord at, before the throne. So however that works, we know that it's a spiritual place, heaven is. We know that, that we're going to have you know, transformed bodies and the new earth and so forth. But somehow or another, the apostle could tell there was different ethnicities there. And so the kind of the thinking is, hey, we're going to celebrate, we're going to worship God together, all these different nations, all these different races, all these different backgrounds. We have to get along forever. So we might as well learn how to start doing that now, kind of our thinking. But unfortunately, in America, the most segregated place in our culture is the, still the church. Now, again, like I said, with a blaze, um, the pandemic has been pretty good for us in a way, not in a great way, but in a, in a way because we've been able to stay training these leaders. We have leaders that are uh, gone home to be with their families, of course, because of the, the virus. Um, 
and we've got leaders. We've got ones that graduated that we would have never, you know, been able to stay connected with. We've got one guy in the Navy who's deployed, and he's in training in San Diego, and he's still part of our Great Commission Leadership Institute classes every week and the, the life groups that he was a part of. In terms of the university and starting back in the fall, we are planning to come back. We are starting, planning to start August 24th as a university, but the university is drastically limiting the number of people who can meet together physically, whether it be in classrooms or whether it be in ministries. And they're strongly encouraging us all to stay virtual. So what we're going to do on the campus here is we're going to have uh, multiple watch parties, people getting together in smaller groups or in their community groups or in their life groups to watch church together because we know how important, you know, the physical talking to and ministering to one another is. Uh, and then we'll have, you know, different ones around the campus or even some maybe in our basement we'll have one watch party and then we'll do outdoor events as our larger you know our larger group events we'll do them outdoors so as i was as maybe it was as it was alluded to by julian if any of you would like to keep up with what we're doing here with the ministry here on campus um, let the church know there and let the church office know they'll get with me we have a newsletter that we put out every um you know every month uh, we People support us so that we can do this ministry for college students and work with these leaders. Um, but anyway, so just if you want to know what's going on, let the office know and we'll put you on our monthly report. The other big thing that I'm a part of is something called the To Be Initiative. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the mental health crisis that is being faced here on our campus has made for an incredible opportunity, a window for the gospel here. Uh, what has happened is the university has said, we're overwhelmed, we, we need help. And so a bunch of us went out and got training and created, developed something we call the To Be Initiative. We want people to choose to be instead of to hurt themselves. Um, and what that, what that needs is training on being able to be empathetic listeners, conflict resolution, and something that's called uh, renewing the mind, which is changing out uh, false beliefs and lies that we believe about ourselves and replacing them with the truth of God. Unfortunately, as you can imagine, all those in-person trainings, uh, I had 11 trips scheduled this spring and summer to go train people all over the world. All of that's been shut down. All of that's been you know, canceled for now. And so we're on hold for another whole year. We had been training the university, the cadets. We were scheduled to train all the cadets with all eight hours of training uh, to have a listening lab in their dorms. And that's all been shut down. So you can be praying for us about that, that we'd be at least able to do a little bit of it. Uh, going forward. But we also are learning how to do it on Zoom. So if you're interested in this training, you're interested in empathetic listening, conflict resolution, or uh, renewing your mind, I have done that with some of the, the life groups up there. So the small groups. So talk to your small group leader. We'll pull together a group and I would be, I would be thrilled to give that training you know, to you guys whenever you'd like. Okay, so the verse that we use for this training, this comes from Equipping Ministries International, who sort of formed all of this many, many years ago. And the verse that's used a lot is uh, in James, it's chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger, angry. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires. And so God has called all of us to be better listeners. It's part of reconciliation. It's part of working through healing, emotional healing. But we're failing miserably at it. 
as a culture, as a church, as a country, you just really, I, I believe we're failing at it. And again, the reason it's so critically important is because people who have experienced trauma, which is almost everyone, the only provable, uh, repeatable way to work through trauma and come out on the other side in a healed way, in a healthy way, is to find someone you trust, someone who cares about you, and share your story with them in great detail so that you can get uh, right down to the real issue, the core issues. Most of us, however, if I, you know, you can, you can say amen if this is you, <clears throat> most of us, when someone comes to us and brings us an issue, we're thinking, what do you need to do to fix yourself? What do you need to fix it? And you're really focused. We focus mostly on the problem when we really ought to be focusing on the person. We're focusing on the symptoms, not necessarily the root cause. And what our training does is try to help people listen and allow other people to solve your own problems by figuring out where those core false beliefs are in your, in your innermost being. And again, empathy is a, is a foundational element to do that. Without that, there's really no permanent healing. Without it, you just, you're just destining those people that you're helping to relive the problem every time the circumstances come back over and over and over again. And you guys have experienced that. You work through something and then a similar situation happens and you have the exact same negative response. It's because you haven't gotten at the core belief, the lie that Satan has built into you through some trauma and replaced it with the truth of God. So anyway, how does this play out in the body of Christ is kind of what we want to focus on today. Here's a statement I like to make. You guys can process it because I'm going to say it several times. We should have more in common with fellow Christians than we do with unbelievers who are from the same country, the same race, the same gender, or the same political party. Let me say that again. Because of who we are in Christ, we should have more in common with other believers than we do with people who share our country, our race, our political parties, or anything else, gender, anything else. But we don't in a lot of cases. Why is that not the case in the churches in America, in the body of Christ. I think part of it is a lack of empathy, the, the genuine ability to be able to, to focus on that other person and why they believe or are the way they are. I think another reason is because we spent so much more time in the media bubbles, in our social media bubbles, in our friend bubbles, than we do in the, in the Bible or in meditating on God's Word and the truth of God's Word. And so one has more influence and control over us in our thinking than the other does. We focus a lot more on our identity group, whatever group that is, than we do on the mission that God's given us to reach the lost world for Christ as a team, as a body. So let me just go into some scripture here. Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. Somebody's asking Jesus, you know, what should I do? He says, love God and love your neighbors yourself. And then they start hedging. Who is my neighbor? Is that the guy that lives by me that we just do all the stuff together? We play baseball together. We go to, the, you know, whatever they played in, you know, 30 AD. Is it that? Is that my neighbor? And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a, a guy that was a good neighbor to somebody. 
there was all these guys that, that came by this really broken, hurt, beat up guy. And they walked right by him, the, the Pharisee, the priest, the great, you know, Jewish um, businessman. Everybody just walked right on by this broken up Jewish man. And yet a Samaritan walked by him, stopped, took care of him, paid for his health care, everything else, take, took care of him totally. And he's saying, listen, this, it, was the, it was the Samaritan that was the neighbor to this guy. And the Samaritan looked different. He was from a different race. He was from a different country. He was from a different culture. And yet he was the neighbor to this guy. Uh, Jesus goes on and, and shows what he really means by this when he meets the woman at the well. When he meets the woman at the well, she's a Samaritan. And this, this gives you an in, uh, insight into how they thought about each other, the Jews and the Samaritans at the time. She's like, why are you even talking to me? Jews don't talk to us. They look down on us because we're a different race. Uh, what had happened was the, uh, the Assyrians, when they had taken over back at the time of Daniel, uh, or actually just before that, for that particular part of the country, um, they had uh, married, intermarried with the Jews and become mixed breed, half breed, a different race. And so that's the person that Jesus said, these people were supposed to really get to know. And of course, he knew that she was going to join the the kingdom of God. And so he actually talks to, to her about that. He says, listen, the kingdom of God is coming and is now come. And it's among you. It's here. It's soon. And you guys have been thinking, uh, both countries, you know, Samaria or Israel and Judah, y'all have both been thinking about this all wrong. You've been thinking about the kingdom of man. You've been thinking about the kingdom of man. And what I want you to start thinking about is the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of, kind of what I want you all to think about today. Let's, let's look at some more scripture. In Philippians 3, 18 through 20, it says this, For as I have often told you before, and now say again with tears. So here's Paul sharing. And this is tearing Paul up that people are living this way. And I can tell you as well, you know, being a pastor of a local church, being just watching the kingdom of God, watching the, 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 you know, the body of Christ tear itself apart, arguing with each other, just not being able to get along, not showing unity. I can tell you, I say this with tears as well. Many live at, as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Where is your mind? Is it on earthly things? Or is it in, on heavenly things? Ephesians 2, uh, 8, 19 through 22 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a temple in the Lord. And in him, we too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God lives in you and is supposed to be controlling you. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, good, self-control. These are the fruit of the spirit living in you. If you look at Romans 8, it talks about you can live by the spirit or you can live by sight or you can live by the flesh. 
the things of this world, which is controlling you. In essence, and another aspect of it, in Romans 11, 11 through 21, it's the story about being grafted into the vine, the Abraham's, from Abraham's seed. In that regard, if you're a believer, you're actually more of an Israelite than you are an American. Think about that. You were grafted into the vine of the Abraham's seed, the Israelites. That's what the, that's what the discussion is in Romans 11. Let me put it in another, another context or in other terms. Um, in John 3 is an idea of, the, of being born again. It's the idea of being born again. What does that mean? Nicodemus is asking him, what does it mean? You can't go back in the mother's womb. All the mothers are going, yep, that's true. You're not, that's not going to happen. But he says this, we're born of flesh here on this earthly domain, the kingdom of man, here on earth, the kingdom of earth. You may be born into one family or one race or one gender or you know, one country, you're born there. But, he says, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again, born of spirit. So, here's what happens. At some point in our life, as a believer, at some point you recognize, I have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. I've done things that don't please God. You recognize that Romans 6.23 says that the wages, the consequences, what I've earned, what I deserve because of those sins is death. Spiritual death, separation from God forever. That's what all of us deserve. But God doesn't want that. And so what he did was he sent his son Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned, but he did die. He died on a cross in a brutal way because sin is so bad that it took that type of punishment. He took that punishment and he said, if you will believe in me and receive me and allow me to pay for your sins, you will be saved. And so the response is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. I accept you and you are Lord. And when that happens, the Bible describes that the, the spirit of God comes and lives inside of our spirit and our spirit is then alive. It's born. So you're born of spirit. And then when you're born of spirit, you're not born an American. You're born a Christian. You're born part of the kingdom of God, the new kingdom that you're born into. And so it goes on and says, well, what do you do in that kingdom? And we talk about the ministry of reconciliation. That's described in 2 Corinthians 5.20. And it says there that we're to be ambassadors for Christ as if, as if, as if God were making his appeal through us. We're ambassadors. So do you see yourself as an ambassador from the kingdom of God to America? Or do you see yourself as an American who happens to be a Christian? As one example. Let me again put it another way. What separates you and other people from the rest of the body of Christ? What separates you from the rest of the body of Christ? Is it race, political party, nationality, gender? Does that separate you sometimes? Let me, let me read to you uh, some, a verse here in Ephesians. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, one Lord, one Savior, one calling, one hope, one faith and one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's only one. 
just as you were called to one hope. And then God is Father over all. And then it goes on to say that we all have to work together, each part doing its work in love, so that we're built up and mature the whole body of Christ. The whole body of Christ. As I said earlier, we should have more in common with our fellow citizens of the kingdom of God than we do with unbelievers who are, we share the same country, race, gender, political party with. Can you say that? Is that true of you? Or are you focused more on the things of this earth and the the dividing lines, the things that Satan is using to divide us? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to divide us. And the body of Christ is supposed to be united. We're supposed to be united. And so um, empathy, we talk about empathy, and let me just go back to that. Brene Brown calls it feeling with people. Empathy is the ability to feel with others. Can you feel with people who are different from you, think differently from you? Or do you just, reckon, do you just believe they're just wrong and they need to be just fixed? Can you feel with them? People who are hurting, people who are struggling, who just happen to have a whole different life experience than you. I would say empathy is this. This is my definition of empathy, and that is you, be, you can be empathetic. Empathy is being able to acknowledge that if I had the same background, the same experiences, the same genetics, the same skin color, the same whatever as this person does, I would probably feel the same way they do. That's empathy. I would probably feel the same way they do. And the reality is all of us have trauma. All of us have blind spots. All of us have things in our lives that cause us not to be able to see the same. But I'm telling you, it's Satan that wants to divide us. It's Satan that wants to divide us. And so in that regard, I just want to um, share this one thing here. Isaiah 56, uh, 58, 6 through 7, he's talking about true fasting. What is true fasting? And, he, and God defines it for him. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see him naked? To clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? To not turn away from your own flesh and blood? The body of Christ first? But to, set, to, to focus on uh, the poor among us, is that not one of the things that we're called to do? The oppressed, are we not supposed to break the chains of oppression if there is any oppression, especially in the body of Christ? One last verse, Galatians 2, chapter two starting in um, verse 2. So again, like I said, first of all, to the, to the body of Christ. Each, uh, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, so right there, I'm assuming you're a believer in Jesus. You're you're a Christ follower. You want to fulfill the law of Christ. How do you do that? Carry each other's burdens. If anyone thinks they're something when they are not, they deceive themselves. How many of us believe deeply in our heart that whatever position we have, it's right? Everybody does. Even the people you disagree with believe in their heart that their position is right, that their culture is right, that their, whatever they're struggling with is, is right. Nobody says, I'm going to believe something wrong and keep it because I just want to be stupid. That, nobody does that. 
So be, check in the next verse says, each one should test your own actions, test your own motives, test your own thoughts. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Skip down. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reach eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So like I said, I'm not talking about lost people. I know we all disagree with lost people on massive issues because they're lost. We get that. Uh, it, the, the idea that you would, would agree with lost people is, on, on many, many issues is, uh, is foolishness. You shouldn't. However, if they're in the household of believers, why are you disagreeing? I'm going to give you a last story here, and that's this. We, were, we do a lot of ministry with cadets on our campus. We, just, we love those guys and gals that are serving our country, and, again, we spend a lot of time there with them. We had a, a discussion about immigration, and the way we do discussions is we say, we don't say, what do you think, what do you think, and start an argument or a debate. We ask the question, what are positions that some people might take as it relates to immigration? And then why? And be able to articulate other people's positions. And so we came up with like 13 different uh, ideas about what, some, you know, different valid perspectives that people take about immigration. I personally hold about six or seven of them, and half of them contradict each other because it's such a conflict, uh, uh, just a difficult con uh, issue. But anyway, so we're almost finished this hour-long, you know, whiteboard exercise, and we're writing things down. And there was a bunch of cadets in the room, and I said this. I said, here's the reality, though, guys. People who are believers in Jesus Christ who were born in another country you should have more concern for them than you do for atheists living in America. And all the cadets, their, their faces like, they, it just, they just had not contemplated that because, of course, they're gung-ho, pro-America. They want to protect America with their life and praise God for their willingness to do that. Praise God for their willingness to do that. But also, we're talking about this other kingdom that these men are, and women are also a part of. And that just really opened their eyes to thinking. So in conclusion, are you able to listen and truly understand Christians who think or look differently from you? Or do you feel you need to change their minds without really understanding why they believe what they do? Let's pray. God, we, we know that you desire the body of Christ to be one, that they will know us by our love, not by our bickering. And Lord, we're doing a pitiful job. We're doing a miserable job of being the body of Christ that loves each other and, and cares for each other and nurtures each other, even if we look different, even if we vote differently. God, we need your help to look first at being citizens of your kingdom and then on mission to this country or to that country or to these people or that people. God, help us to have your heart as it relates to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.